Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. The Midnight Club, Season 1, Episode 5, See You Later, is the episode of the show, the Netflix original series, The Midnight Club, that I will be talking about and spoiling and breaking down. So if you do not want to be spoiled on this episode... I highly recommend checking out the episode first and then coming back. If you don't mind being spoiled, welcome. Uh, in this episode, it is going to be a story by Amish, which I'll talk about at the end of the episode. Obviously, usually whoever tells the story, also a big aspect of the episode will be uh, finding out a little bit more about Amish and his character. We're also still on the journey with Alonka. Uh, in the last episode, she found the diary in the library, so we get to dig into what is in that diary. Uh, also, it is Amish's death day. There's a death day celebration for Amish. Uh, and uh, we also get to learn a little bit more about Natsuki's character. We get to see a little bit more about the uh, Sherry's character. We get to see what she's all about a little bit more in this episode. Obviously, we get to find out what happened to Anya in the end of the last episode. Uh, Kevin and Alonka went back to their room, uh, to Alonka and Anya's room, to find Alonka's chair tipped over. Uh, assuming Alonka tipped over as well, we saw like a foot or a hand or something like that. But something had happened in that room when they found the book. Uh, and uh, also, we just get a little bit more on uh, more info on the overall story of uh, what's going on with Brightcliff. And also, we find uh, we get to hear some of the theories that these kids have about Dr. Stanton uh, and why she's doing it and just what they think about her a little bit. Uh, so with all that said, let's get into this episode. As I said, last episode ended with Ilanka and Kevin discovering Anya tipped over her chair, her wheelchair tipped over in her room. Uh, and this episode starts with Ilanka giving Anya CPR and uh, basically saving her, finding out uh, she goes to when she wakes up, Anya is freaked out uh, because of the shadow that she had seen. She sees that shadow again and she gets freaked out. Of course, last episode, when she got back to her room, all pilled up, been hiding morphine pills, dozing off during the story, barely making it back to her room, getting freaked out when she crashed near the recovery room. When she got back to her room, she saw her shadow that was cast on the wall stand up and then morph into a bit, bit more of a monstrous type of a creature and reach out to grab her. She freaked out, tipped over. Uh, and when she wakes up after being saved by Alonka, she sees that shadow still and freaks out some more. Um, we see Alonka in Dr. Stanton's office where she finds out that Anya had a DNR, a do not resuscitate. And as Alonka is a very by the book person, she doesn't really she wants to do things and respect people and be respected and she's you know kind of feels like she should have known about the dnr stanton clarifies that that does not mean she should not receive treatment which is what alonka provided her giving her cpr reviving her from uh 
passing out, as it were. Uh, later on, Alonka apologizes to Anya while Anya is in bed recovering, uh, saying she didn't know that what her wishes were not to be revived. But it is true. Uh, you know, there's a fine line in DNR between, like, somebody receiving life-saving treatment in order to, like, being stuck on a ventilator, you know, and, and not, and being brain dead is not, is something generally what a DNR prevents from happening, right? If you were to die, it's to prevent people from giving you, at least my extensive research in watching the TV show ER, Okay, that's where my medical, my medical experience, my medical degree comes from. Um, and it was from her ODing. It was from her Anya sneaking the pills uh, and ODing. Later on, we find out more about Anya. She opens up uh, to Alonka, and we find out that she's had drug problems in the past. Obviously, Anya's story about the ballerina who ended up splitting into two people so she could experience uh, what party life is like, what normal, quote-unquote, normal life is like, ended up spiraling out of control. And as we've seen, the stories that these kids tell are very similar to the stories that these kids come from. Uh, similarly with Kevin's story, having to live up to this ideal of his parents being put on a pedestal, being this perfect kid. Uh, we get to find out the subtext of these stories that they tell. Uh, we get to find out a little bit more of these, these people. So Alonka apologizes to Anya. Um, she asks her about the shadow, and as most people in, this, uh, in, in Brightcliff do, uh, she just passes it off as being high oh i was high i was just seeing things because i was high which is like you know on some level there is a level of denial that they they have you know trying to justify and and rationalize seeing things that seem very fantastical seeing these shadows come to life uh but generally when you're high on things you're not necessarily hallucinating uh, obviously, I've never taken morphine, but it's not—it's not a drug that I've heard of being a hallucinogen. Uh, later on in this episode, these characters uh, eat some weed brownies, and that is used as an excuse to have hallucinations. Which I've definitely taken plenty of edibles in my day, smoked plenty of weed, never had any kind of hallucinations to that degree. Uh, but it's easier to write off seeing something abnormal as a hallucination than it is to believe that a shadow is going to attack you. Uh, so there is that kind of, uh, you know, having to justify seeing crazy things in the real world. Uh, so anyway, she kind of squares, Alonka kind of, you know, apologizes to, to Anya. And also hoping that she can get more out of her. She wants to connect with her, which they've, she's definitely brought down her walls uh, during family day, kind of let her in, and we find out how protective Anya is over her friends, uh, the people that she's at Brightcliff with. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of last episode, not only was Anya ha ODing, being scared in, into, uh, into a comatose state from a shadow attacking her, 
Uh, but also, Kevin and Anya found out what that number was in in uh, Julia Jane's drawings, found out that it was a Dewey Decimal Code. They found the book, which is a diary from Paragon Days, the cult that existed in Brightcliff before Brightcliff was a hospice, well before it was a hospice. And we get a little bit of a history of the Paragon. She's her digging into this diary, which was written by Athena, which is a 16-year-old. Um, we find out that cults were very big in the 20s and 30s and particularly huge in the 40s, which is the decade that uh, the Paragon was kind of in its heyday as well. Uh, she discusses these different cults that existed in that time and how Paragon had the most tragic events happen to it. Uh, Athena, 16-year-old, was able to escape the cult. Um, but we find out that in 1931, her mom, Regina, uh, changed her name to Asaso, which is one of these goddesses, these five sisters of, of health. And she changed her name to Asaso. Uh, she started this, like, like, holistic health retreat place, right, getting into that New Age wellness type of thing. And, of course, that kind of going into cult behavior, which you can see today. There are definitely people who own supplement companies who in many ways act as cult leaders who believe in uh, believe in things that aren't recommended or believed by mainstream science. They have a they push pseudoscience ideas quite regularly. Uh, directly profiting off of pushing those ideas, uh, send, selling supplements to those people. They're definitely in the year 2022. Uh, a whole hundred years later, uh, still these kind of new versions of cults. Uh, and they just have podcasts now instead of meeting in a secret basement. Uh, but in the 1930s, uh, Regina, a.k.a. Asaso, started the Paragon, which at first was just, you know, this holistic New Age wellness stuff. Uh, later changed her name. She got, uh, she got into the symbol of the hourglass, got it tattooed, because the idea of the hourglass is that you can keep turning it over, that it's almost like immortality. Like in, in most cases, people, they're, when their sand runs out in their hourglass, that is the end of their life. Uh, but Asaso had the idea of trying to turn that hourglass over and extend life. Uh, because she had lost not only her husband to disease, I forget which one it was, but she also lost her son. Uh, I believe the son was to polio. I think maybe it was her, her husband died of pneumonia, I think. Uh, son of polio. So because of that, that's how she got into the wellness thing. And Athena, her daughter, was starting to see her mom lose her mind, uh, going down a path in which she's potentially going to be losing her mom uh, as her mom gets deeper and deeper into this cult stuff. Uh, she also, Alonka describes the different five different sisters. I was going to talk about that, all of their names and what their names mean, but they are very health-related, like recovery, like wellness, like all of these things, uh, cleanliness, all of that stuff. Pretty interesting. 
which apparently that similar those similar ideas those those goddesses exist in other cultures in time as well uh just with different names um so eventually this cult gets to blood sacrifice where they're sacrificing uh goats drinking the blood of goats and of course it gets to a place where her mom's going crazy athena ends up sneaking the kids out of course all this stuff is going on at brightcliff before brightcliff was a hospice and uh so athena sneaks all the kids out as her mom is doing this this uh ceremony uh where it ends up she athena escapes with the kids she ends up getting the cops uh cops investigate don't see anything but finally check that secret button use that secret button in the elevator to check the basement uh which they didn't initially believe athena but they go and they find that everybody died uh that uh a say so her mom poisoned everybody of course she's giving the cops excuses that she accidentally gave them the wrong uh flowers she used the wrong herbs uh but of course athena knows the intention was for them to be sacrificed she's just upping the ante in the sacrificing that she's doing trying to find immortality right trying to find a way to turn that hourglass over to extend its time so that is kind of the origin story of what that second basement was used for uh we see that this is all being described uh to kevin alonka describing what she read in the diary to kevin and saying that julia jane later on you know when stanton bought the house she tried to get rid of everything but of course there were still things like the basement that was she wasn't able to get rid of and later on julia jane found this basement found the diary and used that diary to not only start the midnight club but also to uh do whatever was in those diaries follow those instructions and in Alonka's eyes the way she's connecting those dots is that she Julia Jane used the the teachings that were in this diary to cure herself of her cancer right because everybody is desperate to find a cure not to die to turn that hourglass over especially these young kids who are in this hospice dying of different cancers and diseases Kevin says that like he's tried many things crazy things in order to do the same thing and that it's like he's not as hopeful as Alonka is but Alonka despite being a very rational person despite being somebody who is very by the book and she is definitely jumping to conclusions right she assumes that Julia Jane one was cured as opposed to misdiagnosed two she believes that julia jane was cured by these rituals that happened which there's no proof of that right there's proof that she found these diaries clearly that they were important to her at some level but there's no actual like it is that le- using 
uh, a truth that happened where there was this girl who found these things and for whatever reason the cancer that was thought to have been there was no longer there whether you describe that as a cure whether you describe that as a misdiagnosis whether it was from these rituals that julia jane did or from something else those are all like theories right as most conspiracy theories are right there's a bit of truth but the narrative that you create to make that truth plausible, to, to make that a reality, is very much uh, fictional in a lot of ways, right? To suit a purpose, to suit a narrative, right? Like the idea of, to go back to a similar thing that cult leaders who own supplement companies uh, during the pandemic were, were all about pushing... Uh, a theory that was, uh, you know, jumping to conclusion, this whole ivermectin thing, which is a dewormer, doesn't do anything against a virus, but you're able to, your body's able to fight against a virus if it also isn't fighting against parasites that are inside of you. So the studies that they, they pull up are studies of people where they have a lot of parasites where it's like not a as developed of a society as we are living in the United States and getting dewormer helped them. But for people that do not have parasites, taking dewormer doesn't do anything to stop a virus, right? It, it's like taking these truths and wrapping a, a narrative that suits your purpose as a way to not buy into mainstream science to have some pseudoscience, some like, oh, there's this different way that they're not talking about, right? And the way they frame it is very complementary to the, the narrative that they want to push, right? And you see that same thing, same idea with Alonka falling victim to this confirmation bias, assuming that this diary and the things that they were doing are going to lead to her being cured, right? She's looking for ways to prove her theory that Julia Jane was cured of this cancer, and she's, fi she's finding things to prove that point, to prove that narrative, which is not how you go about scientifically uncovering things. But interesting how it's illustrated in this. Uh, so anyway... Alonka telling Kevin this as they're setting up for something, which we find out is a death, death day celebration for Amish, which we will get to in a bit. Uh, but that's what they're doing, setting up on the beach as she's telling Kevin all these things that she found in the book and uh, connecting the dots. And she wants to, she thinks it's, she thinks she's figuring out a way to heal herself, which is like tragic to see somebody have false hope in that way right to believe so strongly especially somebody like Alonka, who's so rational and so intelligent how easy it is i mean that's why you see so you see intelligent people fall victim to conspiracy theories right because they want the theory they want that specific narrative to exist they find all of the ways that support their bias 
We also get to see in this episode how amazing Sherry is, right? Sherry doesn't really participate when they're making the cranes. She's in the back playing her music, not participating. She has yet to tell a story during club. Uh, meanwhile, she is known as a pathological liar. Uh, she may or may not have a mom that works in Hollywood, a dad that, you know, has uh, jobs that take him all around the world. Uh, both of her parents never show up. We don't know how real that is, but that's kind of what she's putting out that she has. She comes from a family, very wealthy family, but they're the type of wealthy family that couldn't be bothered with their own daughter, especially as she's dying in some hospice, uh, never showing up, didn't show up to Parents Day, but sending these very lavish gifts. But we see the type of person Sherry is in this episode, which is so heartwarming. Uh, we see a scene where... Alonka's going back to her room and Sherry just stops her for a moment and asks her to come over to her door and she measures her head really quick. Uh, and then later she gets a package delivered and Alonka's there asking what, what she got and she's talking about how her mom is working on this movie. And there's this amazing wig maker uh, called Molly Blake that makes these hundred thousand dollar wigs and this is the wig that i made she made for me and she designed it off of pictures that i had for back when i had hair before my chemo treatment and we find out that she had her mom get a wig made by this famous wig maker molly blake for alonka because in the last episode when kevin was going off to prom alonka mentioned that she missed her hair like one of the things, one of the small things she misses from her life, the reality of her existence post-cancer treatment, she misses her hair. And we see how amazing Sherry is taking that in, reaching out to her mom, which she clearly doesn't have a very good relationship with, but was able to get this wig made. She snuck into a room, stole pictures out of her room to, to get make sure it was designed correctly. She got the measurements, snuck around. Beautiful moment. Like we see, like I love all of these characters. There are no characters in this show so far that I don't like, right? The only one that's kind of had little little kind of edge to them is Anya, but I love Anya. She's hilarious. She's amazing. And she's, you know, tough exterior, but soft on the inside, right? Dr. Stanton, she's fine. She's good. She's in charge of this thing, but she's not bad. Mark, the nurse guy, he's cool. Trying to help out Spence, trying to relate to Spence, trying to get Spence to kind of recontextualize his relationship with his parents. Everybody's amazing. Even, you know, Sherry, who is kind of taking herself out of the group, participating in the group in a lot of ways, but still is doing these very heartfelt things for the people, right? No bad people so far in this, in this show. All amazing people. And to see Sherry get this wig made for Alonka is heartwarming as hell. We also get to see later on at the death, uh, the death day celebration for Amish, Amish mentioned in group therapy that he is mourning the fact that he won't be living long enough to play this new revolutionary game system that's coming out that plays off of CDs only, no cartridges needed, the original PlayStation. And he's probably not going to live to actually play that. And she, her dad, working in Japan, really good friends with the people at Sony, she gets him a PlayStation 
before it's ever released in the United States. Like, the sweetest person, Sherry, who is also, in similar to Anya, very guarded with who she is, not participating. She's not as bristly as Anya is. She's not as standoffish and shit-talky as Anya's, but she definitely has similar walls, like not knowing when she's telling the truth, when she's lying, not her not participating, keep, keeping people at distance in her own way, but clearly has so much love for these other people that are there with her. Kind of the only family she has in a lot of ways. Let's take a little break from the show to promote gift certificates. If you want to purchase artwork for somebody, you have an art lover in your life, and you think they would like my art, but you don't know what painting to get them. I have over 2,000 original pieces of art for sale in my store, along with shirts and prints and other things. So I can understand that being a bit daunting if you're trying to buy something for somebody else. Give them the gift certificate, and then they can go to my website, inspiredisorder.com, and they can buy whatever paintings they want. They can buy whatever prints they want. They can buy T-shirts. They can buy hats. They can buy all the different merch. Gift certificates, which are available currently at inspiredisorder.com. And now let's get back to the show. So Amish's death day celebration. They're on the beach. Uh, she has it's hosted by Spence, which he's got a script that was written by Amish and he is told to follow the script. You even see Amish moving his mouth along while Spence is, you know, performing off of this script, hosting this ceremony uh, and part of this death day ceremony. He was not supposed to live longer than a year. And it is a year on this day, and he is still alive, and he's wearing the suit that his parents got him to be buried in. He says it's, it's supposedly a good suit, but it's not really his thing. So he ends up taking off his suit, stripping down to his, his underwear. You can see his, uh, I don't know what that's called, like a catheter type of a thing that's in his chest for his medication, I assume. Maybe transfusions. Um dangling off of his chest wearing his boxers and throws the clothes in a hole and they bury the clothes is a ceremonial thing of him living past his death day and showing the people that the shirt he wants to get buried is a t-shirt that says gamer die on it which obviously amish huge gaming fan designing his own video game um, and, uh, you know, that definitely makes far more sense for him to be wearing uh, that T-shirt uh, than it is for him to be wearing some suit. And one of the things that's on Amish's death list, as it were, his bucket list, is to get high. So somebody made weed brownies. So everybody, including Sandra, even the Jesus freak, eating these weed brownies, everybody's high. Uh, this is where they're talking about their different theories on Stanton. Uh, you know, they ask, like, do you think she smokes weed? And, and uh, Sherry's like, well, look at this place. She's got to have something. And she doesn't seem like somebody who gets drunk. So definitely they think that she smokes weed. We hear Nasuki have a theory that 
Uh, she lured all of the kids there to suck their energy out and put their souls into little dolls and make the dolls dance and do tricks. And the dolls are too small, so they can't reach the doorknob to actually get out. Like, dark, obviously, very creative kids. They spend a lot of time writing stories, listening to stories. Uh, and when you're high on weed, the ideas and and tangents so your brain can go on creatively are are definitely fuel for this kind of stuff. So very interesting theory from Natsuki. Uh, we have a theory from Sandra that it's like, oh, it's it's uh, it's a combination of like Hansel and Gretel and um, I forget the other one. And she's like, she just lured us here to bake us into pies. And Spence laughs. She's like, oh, she's so high. And then he's like, ah, oh, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Death Pie Day? What was it? No, Death Pie High. He's like, oh, I got a story. Death Pie High about a lunch lady that got screwed over at a bake sale. And she's plotting revenge on all the kids. Oh, it just writes itself, uh, which is hilarious. You know, everybody, everybody high. The performances, great, you know, buy it. I buy it that they're all high. Um, yeah, death pie high. Uh, and then we have Amish and Natsuki kind of going off on their own, having a little conversation. Natsuki showed up a little late to the death day thing. Apparently, she's been spending a lot of time in her bedroom. We find out that she suffers from clinical depression and that uh, the event that happened to Anya ODing kind of triggered that in her and she hasn't really been socializing that's why she was late uh and uh you know amish is very makes sense it makes sense that somebody might be clinically depressed uh being in a hospice uh for kids who are dying from uh you know severe like un untreatable illnesses like cancer and aids so they kind of bond a little bit more amish opens up about uh, him being extremely scared, scared that he's not going to ever see his parents before he dies. Obviously, we found out during family day that uh, there's an issue with getting them into the country. Uh, and uh, with his death day coming up, he was really scared that he wasn't even going to make it. So he's been freaking out. Um, and the only thing he really wants is to get the girl and to save the world, right? The, the heroes kind of the video game hero's journey to get the girl and save the world. Uh, and she's like, oh, that's all you want. Okay. Uh, but like, clearly they're bonding. They're kind of, she gave him that little look, right? Right. The same kind of uh, scenario where, where Alonka was telling Sherry, she missing her wig uh, when they're saying goodbye to Kevin, when he's going off to prom, uh, Natsuki gave Amish a little look Right. And Spence told them to just like play it cool. You don't know what that means. And so there's clearly a connection between the two of them as they kind of bond in their own little group away from everybody else. Um, later on, Alanka back in her room. Obviously, Anya didn't join them for the thing. She's still recovering from her overdose. Uh, she's in her bed sleeping. Alanka sitting at her desk in a room praying for the devil weed brownie to get out of her system, which, you know, I, I appreciate that this show doesn't necessarily show 
the time span usually shows in movies will act like edibles kick in immediately when in reality it takes anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, but then the high lasts hours. Uh, and if it's a lot, it could, it could easily last a day. But she's at her desk, hoping the things, trying to do some more studying of this diary. She looks over and she sees the old lady. She has another vision of the old lady. Now she's standing over Anya while she's in bed. The old lady leaves. As she leaves the room, she is now back in the old-timey Brightcliff with the old-timey music and the old-timey kind of vin vintage film look as she's following this old lady vision. Uh, down the hallway, you see the old lady goes out the front door and Alanka follows her out the front door, but as soon as she goes, walks through the door, she finds that she's Alanka is now in the library. So she's not outside, she's in the library, and she sees in the distance a blurry figure. And she walks to the figure and as you know, goes to sees the figure turn around, and then she snaps awake, and that figure is now Kevin. So kind of again, every he he's always there when she snaps out. Now there's been times where it was the old lady kind of turning into Kevin. This time it's the old lady leading her to uh, the library. She asks Kevin why he's there. He's like, oh, well, it's midnight, and that's kind of the club. I don't know if you know the name of the show, uh, but we do a certain thing at a certain time, and, uh, and th that's what it is. So, you know, some more visions from, from Alonka. Uh, trying to see if other people, uh, you know, are seeing the same things. And then, so th obviously, story. I'll get to what happens during club in a second. After club, uh, Alanka goes back to the bedroom and she sees that Anya is trying to change her sheets, also giving her a hard time. It's like, mind your own fucking business kind of a thing. We find out that Anya, Alanka is trying to help her out. We find out Anya peed the bed. That's why she changed the sheets. Uh, Alanka's like, just go, to, go take a bath. I'll take care of the sheets. And as she's doing that, Anya says that she killed her parents. And she's like, well, you do that thing. We'll take care of it, and then we'll talk about your parents. Um, and then we find out more about Anya, that a lot of her story that she told was true. She was a ballerina. She came to the U.S. to go to this prestigious thing. And for whatever reason, she became rebellious. She became a horrible kid going out, partying. And one night, her parents decided to go out and look for her. And while they were out driving around, their car hit a patch of black ice, killing them. And, of course, she blames herself for that because they were out looking for her. Uh, after that, she had a hard time. Uh, she got into heroin. Her friend, who was in her story as well, uh, was trying to help her out, trying to get her into rehabs, but she wouldn't go. She ended up throwing the statue, like in her story, at her friend, uh, breaking, the, breaking the, the statue, one of the legs off the statue. Uh, turns out, shortly after that, she was diagnosed with bone cancer whatever the thing was and she ended up losing the same leg that the statue had lost that had broken off the statue uh, so we find out that the the main events in many ways from Anya's story that she told 
were real. Obviously, she didn't split it into two people, but clearly she rebelled against this life that she she never got to live. She she you know, she was always into ballet and even given this opportunity, she squandered the opportunity and decided to instead rebel and do her own thing and party and she got addicted and it kind of everything fell apart uh including including losing her leg and then she you know they embrace anya lanka and anya's crying she's doesn't want to die just so fearful of death as they all are you know and just like most people that are angry you know that the 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 anger is usually a dam that's holding back a flood of tears that once that dam gets broken just cannot be controlled and that's kind of where we're at with Anya uh, emotionally at this point. Let's take a little break from the show to promote the many faces. That's right, I am also an artist. I do ink paintings on paper of abstract faces. A new face, a new painting gets released every single day over at InspiredDisorder.com. So head on over to my website to purchase original artwork directly from the artist. Also, there are prints available for select images. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com, buy original art, Buy prints if that's your jam, if you want 8x10 prints on high-quality paper. Also, if you're looking to wear some art, there are shirts available with original artwork by myself. Select faces from the many faces are also available in t-shirt form. You go to InspiredDisorder.com, you buy original artwork, you buy prints, you buy shirts, you're supporting an artist directly and if you're the type of person that likes to invest in nfts there are also nfts available for select faces go to inspiredisorder.com now and now let's get back to the show so now midnight club obviously alanka followed this old lady she ends up showing up in the library just as club is about to start uh as they all kind of go to the table uh alanka asks if anybody else heard the music because obviously not only was there the old-timey Brightcliffe, but the old-timey music was playing. Uh, she tells everybody that she saw an old lady and that was standing over Anya and then followed her there. Uh, then, um, And she says that Anya's probably not going to come, right? Because Anya was sleeping when she left the room. Uh, so she's probably not going to come. We shouldn't wait for her. They kind of talk about, oh, should we just cancel this thing? And we're like, no, no, we're going to do this. Uh, Spence brings up, oh, she's, so she says, um, I saw this thing, brought me here, old-time music. Kevin, as always, people, even Anya, uh, oh, we're, we're still high. I'm still high. You're still high. So it's, everything is written off as we're just high. It's the medications, the weed brownies, whatever. Um, then Spence brings up that he heard last episode. We saw this, never brought up in the last episode, that he heard his name being called out of the intercom of the recovery room. Uh, and that's when Sandra kind of perks up as she's kind of dozing off going to sleep, um, as edibles can do. Definitely passing out, sleeping. Very amazing thing uh, to do when you're on edibles. Sleep is amazing. 
Uh, and she's kind of in between dozing off. And she perks up and says, maybe that's a sign. Maybe it's, it's heaven. Maybe it's saying that there's a path to heaven, right? Because she's always, you know, especially in the last episode, she was trying to push the, her religion on everybody after Tristan died. And so she's kind of using that, uh, the fact that Spence heard his name on the loudspeaker and that when they went in the room, Mark opened the door and nobody was in there. So she's trying to, again, trying to insist that it's, you know, it's an angel trying to, <laughs> trying to tell you that heaven exists. Uh, and of course, people, even though Anya's not there, they're like, listen, if Anya was here, she would say that's BS. If they could say your name, they could say something else. Uh, so they're still under the assumption that it's all bullshit, that it's not actually signs from former members uh, trying to contact, th contact them from beyond. Um, and then they ask, should we even do this? And Spence is like, yes, we're doing this. Amish, this is your day. You should be telling a story. And if you don't, he threatens to tell his... Uh, death pie high story that he started to come up with at the uh death ceremony or the death uh death party so amish goes to tell the story and he decides to make a little twist on the toast so a little twist on the toast tonight um i want to toast to i want to toast to days Thinking about the day that we've all had. The day that somebody told us that we were going to die. I want to toast to those days before and to those after. To those before and to those after. To these days now and to those days beyond. To these days now and to those days beyond. Seen or unseen, here but not here. Seen or unseen. Here or not here. To all those days. All of them. So this story isn't your typical ghost story, as most of the kids say. Tell stories, scary stories. But there are elements of the story that are scary to Amesh. Uh, in this story, Amesh is Luke. His character's name is Luke. He is a video gamer he codes his own video games and it's this is the day he's in a video game store and this is the day he's got a crush on the girl who works at the cash register whose name is becky played by natsui uh, he's got a crush on her and this is the day where he's going to ask her out he's going to get up the courage to ask her out but this is also the day where he destroys the world and he goes to the cash register throws the game down that he's been apparently quote-unquote looking at but not really just kind of trying to work up the courage uh and uh they sparks up a conversation uh you know she's she says that she's into strategy games it's like oh so am i and she's like well the game you brought is not a strategy game so clearly showing that the game was more of a prop just to uh help him break the ice uh, he mentions that he's actually a, a programmer, that he's programming a strategy game, and that he invites her to go see a movie with him. Uh, but she turns him down. She said, I just started going out with somebody. We just made it official, but she's flattered. So, you know, different circumstances. Maybe he would have gotten a different answer, but at least he got up the courage. As he goes to put the game back, 
He runs into this other guy, this older guy that's there that introduces himself. He's like, hey, I heard, overheard, not trying to be creepy, just heard that you are designing a strategy game. My name is Vince, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, of course, Luke knows who Vince is because Vince is this hot shot video game developer. So he's like, what? He, Vince invites Luke over to check out the new game that he's working on. And, of course, Vince, no problem going to check out this legend and whatever game he's working on. So he goes over to this mansion that he's staying at that they got him to help to live at to finish his uh, coding this game, which is called Decision. It's a battle strategy game. Uh, and he shows Luke, and Luke's, like, impressed with the graphics. Like, this is, like, next, next generation stuff. How did you do this? Whatever, whatever. He's like, why don't you sit down? You play. This is how you start it up. And then, like, this Matrix kind of music, like this Matrix-esque kind of techno music that's clearly inspired by but not exactly the Matrix music plays as it's a montage of Amish playing this game and dying uh it is a game where you try to save the world but as stated at the beginning of the story he ends up destroying the world uh in many different ways this is a game that he finds to be way too hard impossible game to play uh it seems like more of a simulation than anything that you have to factor in weather and climate and all these other things in order to like way too difficult not fun, way too real. Uh, and then Kara shows up, which is Vince's girlfriend, uh, and she introduces herself. Kind of interesting, the way Kara talks is very similar to the way uh, Miss Keen spoke in, Mid in uh, Midnight Mass, which was another show written by Mike Flanagan, who is the creator of this show. So I'm curious to know if this was a particular script or if her lines in particular were written by Mike Flanagan because definitely ha like the way she speaks is very much like Miss Keen, which was kind of crazy. Uh, but she introduces, they, they meet each other and apparently coming up is going to be uh, a view of the the space station floating ahead, and he knows exactly when because, of course, he's genius. Uh, so they go outside. Uh, you hear that Luke is envious of Vince's life, this girl that he's got, this house. It's like his dream life. Vince is like living the life that Luke would love to live. That's like his dream come true life. Uh, and they're, they're looking, you know, setting up the telescope and... Uh, Kara was talking to, to Luke about the game, and he's like, yeah, it's way too difficult. Like, the fact that he, of course, he knows when the space station's coming over, is like, he knows, like, there's, after playing that game, it's like, clearly he knows everything going on. Um, and Vince offers, hey, it's like, you want to help me out? I'll split the, uh, I'll split the, the money that I'm getting for this game with you if you help me out. And, of course, like, oh, yeah okay whatever millions of dollars you're getting paid i will gladly help you fix this game that is my dream come true and then luke goes to the telescope to look at the space station and his vision goes blurry and he ends up passing out uh and then 
as he's waking up, they give him water. Spence interrupts, and he's like, oh, of course, you're just going to drink the water that they would give you, kind of inferring that, like, the reason why he passed out was because of them. Like, clearly, it's like trying to call the twist, right? Trying to, trying to call out. It's like, oh, I see where this is going. But he's wrong. Vince pa- or Luke passed out because he has a bad heart, and he tells, like, yeah, he always knew this. That's how he got into video games. Because he knew he, you know, he wasn't going to live the life where he's out playing sports and things like that. So he stayed inside, played video games. That's how he got into video games. That's why he's obsessed with designing his own get video games because of this weak heart that he has. And then uh, we find out that Becky, the girl that works at the video game store, the boyfriend that she mentioned she just started dating, his name is Ray. And he's like super, super handsome, comes from a very wealthy, connected family. His dad's a politician. He's probably going to follow in his footsteps and he's going to have this really nice life. So it makes sense. Of course, Becky would be into it. But also we see a scene where Ray's going out to his nice car, Porsche. I'm not sure it's a Porsche, some kind of fancy car. And he's got a flat tire. And as he's looking at this flat tire, we see... Uh, we see Kara come around the corner and flirt with him. It's like, hey, cutie, I got a jack if you need to fix your tire. Right? So we're seeing a situation happening. Um, and then we also see Luke going over daily to Vince's house to help with the game. Um he gets to the quote unquote what seems to be the end of the game and he's like okay so now what do i do i'm in the space station i got evac as everything burns below but what do i do now he's like does another game start what's happening and vince is like yeah i don't know what happens and then these lights show up on the screen like he's looking out outside of the spaceship at the world that's burning below from nu- nuclear fallout or whatever and then these like kind of lights orb around and then it flashes to white and he's like what is this is this how it ends what are those like what are those like aliens like i don't like this this is stupid right super critical of how it ends doesn't make any sense what is this i don't like this and then of course this is where sandra perks up he's like oh those were aliens are those were angels weren't they i bet they were angels and and uh amesh was like no no they called them uh, Illumini. They, they're Illumini. And uh, so that's what they're called. Um, later he goes. Becky opens up. She, he goes in to buy some games at the game store. Becky opens up and um, about Ray. Ray's cheating on her with an older woman. Obviously, as we saw, probably Kara, right? She was flirting with him, and she's breaking down, talking to Luke. They kind of form a bond, a friendship, as uh, she opens up to him. Uh, and then as Luke goes out to his car after having this talk with Becky, he gets confronted by Ray, pushed him up by the car. It's like, this is, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to set me up. And out of nowhere, Kara shows up and pushes Ray away. It's like, what are you doing? We got caught. Okay, we got caught. They found out you're cheating on me. He's like, I never touched you. Like, this is all a setup. This is all bullshit. And Kara's like, wait, who told you that it's a setup? And he's like, Frederick told me. 
and then she's like, oh, no. Right. They go. They go to Vince's house. They walk in. Kara and Luke walk into Vince's house. And on the cutting board is a heart with a knife stabbed through it. Right. Stabbed into like a little cutting board. And they're like, what the hell? It's like, oh, it's 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 formaldehyde. This is like, oh, it's just a sign showing that he has Vincent. And Luke's like, what is going on? First, Ray's attacking me. And then he's telling me that you, you, it's all set up, that he's actually not. And that this guy, Frederick, told him everything. And she's like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story, Kara's like, I'm going to tell you a story, Luke. Right? And you're just going to have to bear with me. All right? And she starts telling him the story. So it's, this is a story within a story within a story of this episode. Right? There are layers. This is many stories deep. This is the inception of stories. And Kara tells, tells uh, Luke this story about there's this girl who met a boy. Right? And this boy got into politics, got very well in politics, and she, this girl introduced her boyfriend to her friend who's into programming games. And this friend ended up programming a global defense system, right? As he gets elected to president, his, you know, found a way to transfer all the nuclear things to the space station. Basically, in a lot of ways, describing the narrative of the video game right uh so turns out this friend that programmed this global defense system had a bad heart died at 35 right we know vince bad heart not vince luke luke's got a bad heart we saw him pass out died at 35 in this story uh this girl's husband becomes president uh, there's going to be a nuclear war. He wants to drop bombs in order to stop the bombs, right? That's his idea. She convinces him not to. They end up evacuating to the space station just as the missiles from other countries were being launched. As they get there, he ends up launching the missiles, but it's too late. So they're all trapped up in the space station while nuclear fallout happens in the world. Very similar to what we saw. Luke at the end of the game in the space station world burning below now what's happening right same thing in this story um so they evac to the thing world's dead we're up here her husband snaps president snaps losing his grip on reality just as that happens uh these lights come as we saw at the end of the game uh and this is actually where sandra perks up she's like oh they're angels and he's like, no, no, they're Illuminati. That's what Kara calls them, the Illuminati, right? These aliens, they came back, and they gave them an opportunity to go back and fix things, to change things, to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And she's like, and that story is real, and that story is what happened to me and what happened to Vincent and happened to Frederick. I, Kara, am actually Becky as an older woman, Okay. Frederick is Ray as an older man. And and Luke is like, what about what what is that? Who's Vince? Vince is you. You are Vince. 
And he's like, but I died at 34. How did he get back? He's like, I don't know how it worked, but you came back too. Okay? So that's where we find out that Vince is Luke. Uh, Kara is Becky. And then this Frederick guy basically told his younger self, they're setting you up. Right? Uh, so she doesn't know how he came back, but you came back to teach yourself, right? Obviously, brought him, fixed this game, this game, the simulator of what really happened in the world. But, like, he brings his younger self in to try and fix this problem before it happens again. Amazing. Amazing layer to the story of this time travel story, right? So he came back to kill your, or to, to, to teach yourself. And Kara is like, I'm going to kill Ray. That's how I'm going to do it, right? Because if Ray dies, then he won't become president, and this, this whole thing can be avoided, right? If he becomes president, he won't bring Luke in. He won't bring you in to design the games. All this stuff will be changed. Um, cut to Frederick, older Ray, has Vincent, older Luke, tied up, right? Tied up, bloody what's going on trying to convince him is like this is what are we doing we're trying to stop this thing and it's like frederick knows like i know what's going to happen i know she's going to try and kill me right he's still flipping out knows that what her plan is and vince just tells him like listen just do what you're going to do right and of course frederick wants to kill vince and does stabs him in the heart so Vince dying again. This time he's not scared. He's died before. He's been there before. This is his second chance. At least he knows that he, he made an attempt trying to teach himself, teach his younger self to hopefully find a different path. So as he's dying, he's not scared. He's kind of comforted, knows what's happening. And then Luke realized, like, well, I just won't play the game. If I don't play the game, if I don't do the code, then this won't happen. Right. If I if I, you, I I will win by not playing. And Kara's like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill Ray. Tells him to get out of the car. They're there. See, you know, Ray confronting Becky. Whatever. She drives the car. Luke gets out of the car. Kara drives the car going to run over Ray. Right. Becky jumps in, pushes Ray out of the way because Luke told him to watch out becky heard him pushes ray out of the way so kara ends up hitting herself her younger self kara hits becky with the car right ray runs over to help uh kara goes to choke ray and luke comes over to help becky who is bleeding dying on the street and as becky dies then uh, Kara disappears, right? So Ray no longer being choked. Kara disappears. Ray sits up. And now it's Ray and Luke mourning over the death of this girl that Luke was friends with and Ray was in love with, right? Becky's dead. Killed herself, right? Older self unintentionally ran herself over, intending to kill Ray. Killed herself instead. Doesn't, didn't work out how she wanted it to go. Uh, and so Luke decided never to code. He never coded. It's like we see how these people uh, grow up. They get older. And we, we see that uh, Vince or 
Luke, I should say, as he's older, sitting on a bench with Ray. Ray is older. He became president anyway. But because uh, he saw Becky die, he looked at death in a new way. And Luke never designed the game, right? So they never got to the place where nuclear fallout would happen. And they kind of uh, uh, avoided that catastrophe that the Illumini allowed him a second chance to come back. Right. So Ray's changed uh, and Luke considers those lights that he saw to be angels and that angels represent a second chance. And of course, Sandra, the angel porn freak, is sleeping, missed the whole thing. Uh, but it turns out that those were angels to give them a second chance. Uh, and the day after Luke's death day, uh, when, in, when he's 34, the day after he was died in the first iteration of his existence, he is still alive, and he's looking up in through his telescope at the space station that doesn't have the nuclear warheads because he never wrote the thing, and it's just like this story that like, oh, he was able to fix the thing, and he took care of his heart, and he took care of himself, and because of that, he's able to live past this day that he was initially killed right good story all that sandra missed all the angel porn especially an angel story apparently that actually worked whereas her stories didn't really work uh but it's the best uh use of angels in the story and that is the end of amish's story beautiful story love this story uh the time travel aspect of it all that and then after the story after club Amish walks Natsuki back to her room. Natsuki, who played in this his story, Natsuki was Becky. Uh, she doesn't like what happened to Becky. She's like, I didn't like that Becky killed herself and that you didn't get the girl, right? I thought you wanted the girl. And he's like, well, write what you know, right? And she's like, I don't like that. Um, I don't like that she killed herself. I don't like that you didn't get the girl. And she gives Amish a kiss. And that is how this episode ends uh, well, that's how I am ending this episode with Natsuki giving Amish a kiss, uh, which clearly has shown that th she has a thing for him. Obviously, she's dealing with depression, but she she likes the fact that, uh, you know, maybe in real life, maybe you will get the girl. I don't know about saving the world. That's some lofty goals for Amish to have. But it, it seems as though with that kiss that he might actually get the girl. And uh, it's sweet, Amish and Natsuki. Uh, so that's this episode of The Midnight Club. Next week is episode six, which is titled Witch. So we'll find out what happens in the next episode. We'll see w who's telling the story. What's the story about that is told? The ghost that is made during Midnight Club in the next episode. So until then, this is to be continued. You're just going to have to live one week longer to find out what happens in the next episode. So stay alive. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Oh!
church. Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.